Today on the Matt Wall Show, California is focusing on the important things by passing a law requiring that toy stores become gender neutral. But aside from the general stupidity of it, there are a number of problems with this concept. I'll explain. Also, the Biden administration is threatening to send our children to go die overseas if we don't give more money to Ukraine. Voters in Los Angeles are starting to regret their voting habits, but will anything actually change? And an NFL head coach gets into some hot water for giving a speech to his players where he used the 9-11 hijackers as an example of teamwork. All of that and more today on The Matt Walsh Show. Well, for all of you loyal Matt Walsh listeners and viewers, no, I did not get new intro music. That is new music from the soundtrack of the number one movie in America, Lady Ballers. You can listen to it now on Spotify, Apple Music, Pandora, or wherever you listen to your music. And of course, watch Lady Ballers exclusively on Daily Wire Plus. Also, what do green eggs and your Christmas dinner have in common? Well, they both need a ham to be complete. Not just any ham, mind you. Make it a spiral-cut heritage pork masterpiece from Good Ranchers. It's the kind of ham that'll steal the show at your family gathering. And guess what? You get it for free with any Good Ranchers subscription. That's a whopping $99 value that you get for free in your first order. Simply subscribe to any box, and you'll get your free holiday ham included in any order. The subscription is amazing. You get $25 off every order, free gift in every third box, and free shipping on express delivery. The best part is knowing exactly where your meat comes from, and that's local American farms. Head on over to GoodRanchers.com, subscribe today with Code Walsh to claim your free limited stock holiday ham uh, before they sell out. But act fast, this offer won't last forever. Order before December 11th for guaranteed delivery by Christmas. Head to GoodRanchers.com, use Code Walsh when you subscribe to get your free 10-pound holiday ham. Don't settle for the same old holiday fare. Elevate your feast with Good Ranchers this year. Good Ranchers, American meat delivered. Well, I haven't kept track of this officially, admittedly, but I'm guessing that of all the states in the country, California has been featured in the daily cancellation of this show the most. This is perhaps these days the only good thing about California. Yes, the entire state is a degenerate cesspool covered in sewage, but at least it provides plenty of content for the last segment of my show. And today, the good news is that they've done something so stupid that it graduates to the first segment. Now, as the Daily Mail reports this week, in a little over a month from now, a new law will go into effect in California. Now, is this a law that addresses the homeless problem in the state? Is it a law meant to clean up the streets, tamp down on the rampant crime, get rid of the sewage, make communities safe and livable again? Well, no, of course not. I mean, why would California's lawmakers care about doing any of that? Now, this is a law to address a far more pressing concern for them, and that is gender-neutral toy sections. Now, we know that leftists, they see the toy industry like they see everything else, an ideological battleground, another politicized arena to defeat traditional concepts of gender and usher in a new ambiguous dystopia where kids can live as amorphous, genderless blobs of nondescript matter. And so now they have a law to that effect. The Daily Mail has more reading. California retailers that refuse to have a gender-neutral section for children will be fined up to $500 under Gavin Newsom's new bill. The ultra-woke governor signed legislation in 2021 that would require some retail stores in the Golden State to have a gender-neutral section for children. Retailers would have to do this, regardless of whether they've been traditionally marketed for either girls or for boys, the bill said. The legislation, Assembly Bill Number uh, 10584, will be enacted on January 1st, 2024. And if retail department stores choose not to comply, they will have to dish out a civil penalty of $250 or $500. Department stores that are subject to the new laws will have to have a, a total of 500 or more employees be physically located in California, and sell child care items or toys. California Democratic Congressman Evan Lowe backed the bill to the Associated Press, saying, we need to stop stigmatizing what's acceptable for certain genders and just let kids be kids. He said, quote, my hope is this bill encourages more businesses across California and the U.S. to avoid reinforcing harmful and outdated stereotypes, Lowe said. So the bill will uh, end the segregated apartheid-like conditions in toy stores in the state, getting rid of gender labels and allowing toys to express their true gender-fluid identities. This is all meant to reduce harmful stereotypes. Now, you may be wondering, if you're a sane person, how exactly does the average toy section in the average store 
reinforce harmful stereotypes. In fact, you may be wondering what a harmful stereotype even is or how a stereotype can be harmful. Because literally all gender stereotypes and race stereotypes and ethnic stereotypes are grounded in truth. That's how they become stereotypes. Which is why you have never in your life heard a stereotype about a group of people and said to yourself, what? I've never seen anyone in that group act that way. That's totally outlandish. No, stereotypes arise when we notice that certain groups of people tend to act certain ways, generally speaking. It's not harmful. It's mostly just neutral. Stereotypes are an observation made about groups. And yes, you can observe groups and the way they behave. Just is what it is. Fortunately, California State Representative Evan Lowe uh, does go into more detail about this issue, trying to explain how and why gendered toys are dangerous. He says, quote, Part of it is to make sure that if you're a young girl, that you can find a police car, a fire truck, a periodic table, because they have those in the toy section, or a dinosaur. And then similarly, if you're a boy, if you're more artistic and want to play with glitter, why not? Why should you feel the stigma of saying, oh, this should be shamed and going to a different location? Now, first of all, this is perhaps neither here nor there, but as a parent, I believe glitter should be shamed for both boys and girls. I mean, glitter is a plague that has been banned from my house entirely for both genders. Glitter manufacturers should be raided by the FBI and forcibly shut down and all of their employees thrown in federal prison. Even just, just, just one ounce of glitter will produce a mess in your house that can never be cleaned up. A glitter spill is like, it's like Chernobyl. I mean, you'll be dealing with the after effects three decades later. So the stuff is cursed and should be legally banned. But anyway, aside from that, it appears that Evan Lowe is laboring under the impression that without this law in place, girls were somehow physically prohibited from entering the aisles where fire trucks and dinosaurs are, are sold. Or maybe he thought that these items were hidden down some deep labyrinthine corridor where only those with Y chromosomes were allowed to enter. But this was not the case. You know, without the gender-neutral toy law, girls were easily able to find fire trucks and police cars if they wanted them. In fact, girls could more easily find fire trucks and police cars because you knew where to look. Things were organized in a way that made sense. And there was nobody stopping them from buying them. You know, there was no toy store in California or anywhere else in America where if a girl went to buy a fire truck, there'd be someone there standing and pointing and laughing at them and saying, why are you buying that? You're a girl. That literally has never happened in the history of toy purchases, ever. So this bill is, at the very best, totally unnecessary, which ironically is something that the author of the bill basically admitted back when the legislation was first passed. Watch. Once this revised bill goes into effect, children's sections at large retailers like Target are going to look quite different. Maybe one of these ones. Assembly Bill 1085 to ban stores from displaying children's clothing and toys in separate boys and girls sections. The bill was introduced by Bay Area Assemblyman Evan Lowe in February, requiring stores with more than 500 employees like Target, Marshalls or Macy's to display children's clothing and toys in one undivided area of its sales floor. I am a parent of a trans child. Parents sparked the conversation. I still am in favor of combining things and then people can choose. I think it's a wonderful idea to smoosh um, girl boys stuff together. Some ask why change it? Just because it has a male and female designation doesn't mean that you can't walk to, you know, a, a, a male toy and vice versa. Let's just have a kid section. News 8 yeah. reaches out to Lowe's office as he's aiming to reduce stigma and bullying. In fact, he says remove it. He provides a statement, quote, children should be able to express themselves freely and focus on more important things than stereotypical gender norms. Major retailers like Target and others support this legislation, and many of these businesses already have gender-neutral kids sections. The state is actually playing catch-up on this issue. Toys are toys. Let's make safe spaces for all all children and let kids be kids. So stores are already doing this, which is why we need a law requiring that they do the thing they're already doing. That appears to be the argument because it has to go one way or another, right? Either this is a law that will impose on retailers 
the burdensome and utterly pointless task of rearranging their stores to make the toy sections less organized and more difficult to navigate for customers, or it's a law mandating something that's already happened. So either the law is cumbersome and pointless or redundant and pointless, or I suppose cumbersome and redundant and pointless. It could be all those things. I think it's likely in that third category. But there's no scenario where the law is necessary or good. And that's because, among other reasons, um, the gender binary is one of the fundamental, defining, immutable realities of human existence. And with it comes the obvious physical differences between sexes, but also, as we've alluded to, the differences in tendencies and interests. And that's why we've come to associate baby dolls with girls and and toy, toy trucks with boys. They don't gravitate to their respective toys because we have made this association. We have made the association because they gravitate that way. But girls are natural nurturers and caretakers. Boys are naturally builders and, and, uh, and fighters. That's why girls like the baby dolls, boys like the trucks and the action figures. If left to their own devices, almost all girls and boys will go in those separate directions. As like every parent in history has noticed. So the left doesn't want to free boys to play with dolls or girls to play with trucks. They're already free to do that if they want to. Instead, they want to engineer boys with feminine interests and girls with masculine interests. They're not actually trying to break outside of the binary at all, which is not possible. They're trying instead to confuse the picture within the binary. And that's because, as we learn time and time again, you can't actually break outside of the binary. It's not possible. Which is why it's always funny to, to make note of the fact that the left inevitably ends up accidentally reinforcing the gender binary in their efforts to deconstruct it. I mean, after all, if you walk into a section of the store... And, and you see fire trucks and baby dolls next to each other, and you say, oh, this must be a gender-neutral section. Well, then you're affirming the gender binary just by saying that. You're acknowledging where those toys usually are and where they belong, and now you see that they're together. So, oh, it makes it gender-neutral. And laws requiring such arrangements are also affirming it. This is the terrible fact that the left can't get around no matter how hard it tries. The terrible fact, which is not terrible at all in my view, is the gender binary. There are two sexes, and those two sexes have distinct features and functions, and they have certain tendencies and proclivities, and there's literally nothing you could do to escape that fact. And by the way, the stores that have tried to, as mentioned, Target, they made a big deal in 2015 when they said, well, we're going gender neutral. Well, if you go into a Target now, which you shouldn't, you'll find that after all of that hype, they still have the store separated by boys and girls. They just don't call it boy and girl sections. But they still have a section where you get the superheroes and you have the action figures and you have the trucks and the dinosaurs and all that stuff is together. And then you got the other stuff that's got a lot of pink and there's girl stuff and there's, and there's the baby dolls and, and Barbies. And, and they still have it grouped that way. Because it turns out that that's just like, that's, where, that's how it makes sense to group them. And most of the customers that are interested in the trucks, they're also the ones that are going to be interested in the dinosaurs. This is what happens when you try to make uh, non-binary toy sections, or by the way, non-binary people, for that matter. You know, a person who identifies as non-binary will usually end up dressing in some weird clashing combination of male and female clothing. This person, let's say a woman, for example, will be very careful to incorporate feminine and masculine elements in the way that she dresses and comports herself. Or at least that's what she'll try to do. And usually she'll still end up looking like a woman, just a woman with a goofy sense of style. But even if she succeeds in appearing like some kind of mismatched, jumbled Mrs. Potato Head doll with male and female elements mixed together, still she has not escaped the binary. Because still she only has male and female elements to work with. There is no third or fourth category. You can be a woman who looks like a woman, or you can be a woman who looks a little bit like a man, or you can be a woman who looks like some sort of avant-garde combination. But no matter what you are or where you are, you're still stuck in the binary. Those are the only pieces you have to work with. Those are the only categories that exist. 
And in fact, the more you try to escape the binary, the more you make yourself into a reminder of it. Now let's get to our five headlines. The new Stopbox Pro is the leader in rapid access firearm security that does not use batteries or electronics. If you're on the fence about uh, getting one, then you can now get one for free. The Stopbox Pro is the latest evolution in secure handgun storage. It's proudly made right here in the USA. Built on the trusted foundation of the original Stopbox, the Pro is larger, more robust, and even more versatile. But the real genius of the Stopbox Pro lies in its patented hand gesture code lock. Security doesn't mean inconvenience. That's the principle behind the Stopbox Pro. It's sleek, portable, and discreet, ensuring that your firearm is stowed safely, yet always within reach. Whether you're at home or on the go, you always have the Stopbox. Stopbox is offering a buy one, get one free deal on their new Stopbox Pro. On top of that, if you use discount code Walsh at checkout, you get an additional 10% off. So head on over to stopboxusa.com right now or click the link below and ensure that your firearms are secure and accessible when it matters most. That's stopboxusa.com for their incredible discount of buy one, get one with an additional 10% off with code Walsh. So Tucker Carlson uh, reported something extremely disturbing on Twitter yesterday. His tweet says, the Biden administration is openly threatening Americans over Ukraine. In a classified briefing in the House yesterday, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin informed members that if they don't appropriate more money for Zelensky, quote, we'll send your uncles, cousins, and sons to fight Russia. Pay the oligarchs or we'll kill your kids. He didn't say that part. He said that that's, that's now Tucker Carlson saying that. Uh, well, he did say that. He doesn't say that. He didn't say that verbatim, but that's basically the uh, message. Now, Tucker says that this statement from Lloyd Austin was confirmed, and his post did get a community note with uh, readers adding context, but the context actually just gives the report more credibility. So the community note links to an article in the Messenger that says this, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin warned Congress on Tuesday that if lawmakers fail to pass more aid to Ukraine, that it very likely will lead to U.S. troops on the ground in Europe defending NATO allies in other countries that Russia may target next. Quote, if Putin takes over Ukraine, he'll get Moldova, Georgia, then maybe the Baltics. Uh, this is according to House Foreign Affairs Chairman Michael McCall. And, um, and then the idea that we'll have to put the troops on the ground, in Secretary Austin's word, was very likely. And that's what we're trying to avoid. Okay, so yes, confirmed. The defense secretary threatened to send our children and family members uh, to go die overseas if we don't give more money to Zelensky. And that, that is exactly what happened. So, you know, I just cannot fully articulate my contempt for these people. These, um, and I don't want to put too fine a point on it or, or be um, dramatic, but let's just say these subhuman reptilian scumbags who would use our children as cannon fodder to advance their globalist agenda. I mean, we should be furious about this kind of thing. I know a lot of us already are, but we all should be. The very idea that your children could be sent to um, die in defense of some other country, some country that has never done anything for you, by the way, ever. That, that concept should fill you with rage. And on that point, just, just ask yourself, what the hell has Ukraine ever done for America? What has it ever done for our people, for your family? So this, this is the same, the same story over and over again. They give us some foreign country. They say we should care deeply about that country. Think of those people. Think about what they're... When do they ever think about us? Do they care about us? Like, what have they ever done, ever, to demonstrate any concern about us whatsoever. We're just supposed to be in all these uh, like abusive, neglectful relationships, like these one-sided relationships where we're, where we're doing everything all the time and the other, the other uh, person in the relationship d does nothing, absolutely nothing. Ukraine has done nothing for us ever. And we're supposed to care. And not that it matters. I mean, no matter how Ukraine feels about America, it, it's still not our country, so it's not our fight. But one of the uh, quotes here, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure if I read it. Um, oh, th this St. McCall, the same congressman, said that if U.S. pulls support from Ukraine, we lose all of our goodwill with our NATO allies, and no one's going to trust us again. 
So we got to keep giving them money so that we don't lose goodwill. I got a question. Why are we the only nation on earth that has to constantly buy goodwill by giving every other nation money? And as you know, I'm a simple man. I think of things in simple ways. And so when I hear that, that's the first thing I think. And I know I'm going to be told, well, it's more complicated than that. You know, it's a lot more. It's very comp- it's complicated. You don't understand global politics. It's a complicated, complicated arena. Yeah, you know, it's actually not all that complicated. And so when I'm told that we have to constantly give everyone else money, and if we don't, it's like we've, we've committed some crime against them. So it's like we, we owe them our money. And when we say our money, we're not talking about the government's money. Is our money is like out of our pockets. That's how tax money work. it works, in case you didn't realize. So what we're told all the time is that we, I mean, it's insane, okay? It's crazy. This whole, the whole concept is crazy that we as Americans, as, as individual Americans, American families, we owe this money to all of these countries. And if we don't give it, then they'll be mad that we didn't give them something that we, that we owe them. I don't care. Let them be mad. We lose that. What do we need their goodwill for? What is, so we lose the goodwill of uh, NATO. Okay, who cares? What does that mean? What are they going to do? They be sad about it? If we come back around and try to offer them money in the future, are they not going to take it? Are they going to say, "Well, I don't, now I don't want it"? Now the goodwill is just us paying off all these countries all the time. So we could stop paying them off. And they'd be, they'll be like if we really feel like in the future we need to buy their goodwill again, we can easily do it. Um, you know, but no other countries have to do this. And I still would like to know what we need their goodwill for. And don't tell me it's complicated. I don't, like really, what what in so the goodwill of of uh, of NATO. In what ways? In what material ways does that help the average American family having their goodwill? What if we didn't have their goodwill? How would it change anything? When I look at the situation of the average American family and how it is right now with the goodwill of NATO, and then and let's say we lost their goodwill, like how would I notice any changes? And this is the thing, my, my whole life, and probably your whole life, depending on how old you are, but really it doesn't matter how old you are unless you're like uh, 100, um, so all of our lives, we've been getting, uh, we've been off getting involved in these foreign entanglements, entanglements and foreign wars, and and, uh, and you know it's always for these abstract, conjectural, immaterial concepts like goodwill and advancing democracy, and so on. But but how does any of this ever materialize into anything that benefits American families? We've been going to war and we've been sending money and resources and guns and everything overseas for decades, all to accrue all that goodwill and to advance all that democracy. How, how is it, at what point do we get to start cashing in on any of this? See, fighting in self-defense, that makes sense. That's like immediate, direct, okay. Even fighting for resources, fighting for land, that's something that's solid and real. Wars have always been fought for those reasons. Not always justly, sometimes justly, depends on the circumstances. But these days, whether it's, whether it's, um, uh, whether it's really about resources or not, we're always given these abstract, esoteric reasons for why we have to send the money, why we have to send uh, uh, weapons, why we have to get involved. It's never anything direct and immediate. It's always, well, goodwill, good feelings, the respect of the world. And we're supposed to just keep spending hundreds of billions of dollars every year on that basis. And uh, I'm, I would say I'm sick of it, but that's, I'm significantly past being sick of it at this point. Okay, here's an article from uh, The Advocate with this headline. Matt Walsh said having gay parents is worse than, than a child having a limb cut off. 
The article says, Matt Walsh called gay parenthood a selfish act of human trafficking akin to the intentional amputation of limbs from a voiceless newborn child. He also said that it is more advantageous for a child to live without a limb than to be raised by gay parents without either a mother or a father. Walsh made the statements on yesterday's edition of The Daily Wire's Matt Walsh Show. Uh, during the podcast, he explicitly called gay surrogacy human trafficking by definition and denigrated the practice, saying that the, the adopted newborn baby is, quote, immediately torn away from the woman who birthed him to be intentionally raised without a mother or father. Okay, so now this is interesting because they're correct about everything that I said there. I did say all of that, and I'd say it again. I'd say it again. I mean, I've said it many times. But they're wrong. They're intentionally wrong on one important detail. There's one thing they're wrong about. I did not say that gay parenthood is human trafficking or worse than having limbs cut off. What I said is that commercial surrogacy and raising children to be intentionally motherless or fatherless equals human trafficking and is worse than a child having a limb cut off. Like uh, a child being raised without a mother or father intentionally is, is even more harmful than a child being raised without a limb is, is what I was saying. Now, so that was the point. Now, it's true that gay parenthood inevitably involves both of those things, surrogacy and motherless or fatherless kids. So yes, gay parenthood fits the bill. I'm not backing away from that one iota. It falls under this principle. But it is actually an important point, and it's not semantics, that um, I'm not singling gay parenthood out. I'm simply refusing to make it an arbitrary exception. Okay? So they're not mad at me for singling it out. They're actually mad at me for not singling gay parenthood out. I'm talking about what a child needs. Child needs a mother and father. And, and, then, and then they come along and they say, well, except but if they have, if they have gay parents, it's, that's, it's different, right? No, it's not different. It's like definitely not different. But it, the kids need a mother and father. Well, but what if it's two dads and they're gay? I don't care if they get like, no, that's, well, that, that must be okay. No, it's not okay. Because the child still, need, need, still needs a mother and a father. So again, the principle is that to, to phrase the principle in a positive way. Children need a mother and father. Intentionally depriving a child of either a mother or father is always wrong. And, and that's the principle. It's very simple. It applies to straight couples who use commercial surrogacy. That's also human trafficking. Um, it applies to single parents by choice, which is a thing that exists in this uh, modern dystopia of ours. And it applies to gay couples. Um, now, I, don't, I think there are degrees. I don't think that all these things are necessarily the same in terms of their, how disordered they are. So there's, there are some degrees there. But they are all wrong for the same reason, which is that they deprive a child of what is natural and right and good and necessary for that child. Every child has a mother and a father. Every child needs a mother and a father. And to intentionally set up a situation where a child will ha not have one of those things or either is bad. And that's it. And so you could come up with any example you want. Well, what about someone like this? Yep, they, I mean, if, if they fall into that category of intentionally depriving a child of the, what the child needs, it's wrong. I don't, I don't make exceptions. You know, it's, it's, really, it's really no different from the, the marriage debate itself, which is that our argument um, has always been that marriage is fundamentally by its nature a monogamous, uh, permanent, fundamentally procreative union. And for those of us who believe in, in, in the sacrament of marriage and what it definitionally is, you know, that, that's our argument. Um, and we want... The, the law should affirm that. It should affirm what it actually is. Gay marriage, so-called so gay marriage, falls outside of that. 
So we're not going to make, you know, it's, it's the same argument there. Really, the, the gay activists came along and they said, okay, well, you say that marriage is that. Which is like, it's not like a, here's the point. It's not a definition we came up with because we wanted to be bullies and exclude gay people. It's just what marriage is. And then the gay activists come along and say, well, but can we make an exception for this one group over here? This is my favorite group. Can we make an exception? No. Well, you're bullying them. How are we bullying them? We have a universal principle. We, st- we, st- we stand by it. We're just not going to make an exception. Just because it's your favorite group, we don't make an exception for them. We can't. And that's the other very important point. It's not that we're like choosing not to make an exception. We can't. Marriage is what it is. I can't change what it is, even if I wanted to, and I don't. And children need what children need. I can't change that, even if I wanted to, which I don't. All right. Uh, Let's see what else we got here. Okay. Yeah, I do want to mention this. We're told that that the the folks, we talked about California to start the show. Um, We're now being told that the, the folks in California, especially in places like LA, are, they're getting fed up. They're fed up. They're done. They're, they're angry. And uh, here's a local Fox report, which is interviewing one of those uh, very fed up Los Angeles residents. Let's watch. And caught on camera at a local construction company in L.A.'s Glassell Park. Several thieves are involved. And tonight that owner tells us he's frustrated. This whole strip has been broken to. Our neighbors have broken to four times. These guys just got broken to two months ago. What are we supposed to do? We're a small construction company. Ryan Bagley, the latest victim on this Glassell Park Street to get burglarized by several thieves, so many it's hard to count. As you watch them file into and out of Bagley's business, Delta Construction and Electric. They smashed into our gate over there, smashed their gate into here, 15 dudes come pouring in. Delta security cameras capturing the destructive mayhem about 5 a.m. Wednesday morning. The getaway car, this blue Kia Soul, Bagley says, was stolen from LAPD's impound yard. The cops just knew that it was from LAPD impound because of the chalk mark on the window. That Kia Soul taking out a gate so the hooded suspects could make entry. You are currently being recorded. Inside, they took whatever they could carry, including music equipment. Bagley and his brother, former band members, stored inside. You can hear the alarm and spot a guitar. Stole six of our guitars, a bunch of studio mics and stuff like that. Rustled some stuff out, some some uh, construction in our construction side. They stole a bunch of tools. Thousands of dollars worth of valuables, demolished doors and gates. Bagley says the alarm company woke him at 5.03 a.m. when the break-in was still underway. And he managed to get there even before cops. But the suspects were gone. And I came in ready to rustle them out of there and just be like, you know, I'm, I wanted to at least take down a few of them. His his business now boarded up, and Bagley is fed up with the break-ins and elected officials. I voted for Karen Bass. I voted for Biden. I voted for Gavin Newsom. I'm sick of it. It's like at some point you have to give me a reason to vote for you again. Or just do our jobs, make a living, help our employees make a good living, and move on. But it's really freaking difficult to survive. Yeah, so I, I watch that. I have to say that, uh, and you know that I'm obviously, according to a lot of people anyway, a cruel, heartless person. So maybe it won't surprise. Maybe it's just that when I say that I have no sympathy for this guy whatsoever. Um, any chance of me having sympathy evaporated with, with his second sentence where he said, if you want me to vote for you again, like, how is that even a possibility that you'll vote for them again? I voted for Karen Bass. I voted for Newsom. I voted for Biden. Look, I voted for all these people. I voted again and again and again for people that have, that have caused this problem. And sure, I might vote for them. I'm willing to vote for the people that have caused this problem again, but you have to lie to me first. That's what he's basically saying. So any chance of having sympathies out the window, that you, that you not only have continued to vote for people who have made your life worse, um, but you are apparently willing to continue doing so. And at least he's being honest about it. Because almost all these voters in these cities have voted for the people who have facilitated the destruction of their own communities. And, um, and they just continue doing it. They'll, they'll vote for them again. They'll just continue voting for the same for the people that and it will never stop. It, it is a 
it's a collective community-wide suicide that they have decided to uh, commit. And, and here's the thing. I can be, in some cases, I can have sympathy for people who, uh, who are lied to by a politician, you know, who fall for a lie that a politician tells. And, uh, and then, and then they, they vote for politicians because they think a politician is going to do a certain thing. He doesn't do it. And, and they've been betrayed. Like, in, men, in some of those cases, I can feel sorry for the voters there. Um, now, in many of those cases, like, you should have known that they were lying to you. So wake the hell up. You're the reason why I openly call for uh, restricting voting rights so that people that are as gullible and stupid as you will be disenfranchised. Like, I, I don't think that, you know, for many of these kinds of voters, I think you're so stupid that you should not have the right to participate in democracy at all. Um, but, you know, th- there are times when even intelligent people can be fooled and lied to. We, we lied to so much that it can be overwhelming. But here's the point. These people that are running California and running Los Angeles and San Francisco and these cities, they're not even really lying. Okay? They're not even pretending that they're going to clean up the cities. These, these aren't broken promises. No, these are promises fulfilled. They are keeping their promises. You know, none of these people have even claimed that they're not out there saying, look, I'm going to clean up the streets. We're going to get rid of these criminals. We're going we're gonna to tamp down on this. It's going to be it's a law and order, justice, truth, justice in the American way. Like, they're not running based on that. Like I said, if they were... And then, and and you had a, a, a politician who was who was pretending that he was going to, you know, throw the book at these criminals and clean up the streets, and, and and he's saying all the right things, and then you vote for him, and he doesn't do it. Yeah, I could have some sympathy. But they, like Gavin Newsom, has Gavin Newsom even pretended that he's going to try to protect your business from being um, raided by fifteen hoodlums in the middle of the night? No, what you get from people like Gavin Newsom and Karen Bass and all the rest of them, Biden, is either they deny, you know, the problems that you're having in your community, they deny it. So you're crying out and saying, this is happening in our community, it's falling apart, and and, and they're just, they got the blinders on and the, the earplugs in, and they're pretending they can't see or hear you. Or, in some cases, they're openly justifying it. You know, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez saying that the looters are hungry and want bread. Even as we see the videos of them, you know, running out of uh, uh, stores with handfuls of clothing and shoes and liquor, not bread. So these voters are not really being fooled. They're not actually being lied to. They are getting exactly what these leaders promised them. Which was, which was more chaos and a community that is less livable. All right, before we get to the next segment, this is also, uh, well, I just find this hilarious, frankly. Uh, hilarious in a dark, morbid kind of way. So there's a controversy today after it was revealed that the head coach of the Buffalo Bills, who's named Sean McDermott, uh, a few years ago, apparently, he gave an inspiring speech to his team where he used the 9-11 hijackers as examples of teamwork, okay? He called on the team to work together as a team, just like the 9-11 hijackers. Uh, This is from uh, AP. An emotional Buffalo Bills coach, Sean McDermott, acknowledged regret on Thursday for crediting the 9-11 hijackers for their coordination during a team meeting four years ago. McDermott had cited the hijackers while stressing the importance of community. Stressing the importance of communication, McDermott had cited the hijackers. Upon realizing how this message was being interpreted, McDermott said he called a second meeting an hour later to apologize to his players. Um, so there's a lot more details about this, but that, that's the basic idea. He called all the team together. He had this whole, apparently this whole big speech about the, about the 9-11 hijackers 
and why they're examples of teamwork. And then he regretted it almost instantly. And uh, apparently he looked around and said, well, this is not landing. Not, this, this, is, this is not working out. I don't know. I don't know why. This is not resonating. And then he called the team back back uh, like an hour later and apologized to them. And now a couple years later, he's apologizing again. Here he is uh, yesterday at a press conference addressing some of this. I want to reference um, the team meeting that has been brought up. Uh, my intent in the meeting that day was to discuss the importance of communication and being on the same page with the team. I regretted mentioning 9-11 in my message that day, and I immediately apologized to the team. Not only was 9-11 a horrific event in our country's history, but a day, but a day that I lost a good family friend. And so with that, I'll turn it over to answer any questions you might have. Okay, so I, I'm just, I'm trying to get inside his head. So you, you, you want to give a message, inspiring message about teamwork and like communication and dedication and you, uh, uh, surrounding 9-11. That, that's not so bizarre. But rather than going with the first responders and like firefighters, you went with the hijackers as the example. This is like if you run a restaurant and you want to inspire your line cooks, so you tell them to be as innovative and creative in the kitchen as Jeffrey Dahmer. I mean, it's like the worst possible example you could possibly choose. And you, know, you always have to wonder, again, I, this is why I always find these kind of stories fascinating. Um, when somebody steps so willingly into it, and there are plenty, you know, in this cancel culture age, people get in trouble for saying all kinds of things that are pretty innocuous. And I don't think this guy should be in trouble. For it. I don't think he should get fired for it. But this is, you know, it is actually objectionable. And so in that case, you have to wonder, like, what is going through your head? Because McDermott thought of this analogy. He had a whole speech, I guess, that he either planned in his head or he wrote. I don't know. Had it all planned out. And it, it didn't occur to you that maybe there might be, you know, at best mixed feelings on the team about this kind of, you know, story. I mean, and, and you didn't think maybe there could be more appropriate examples of, of teamwork than 9-11 hijackers? Hey, team, gather around, uh, take a knee. You know, through the history of the game, there have been some teams that have exemplified teamwork and dedication and communication 2007 Patriots, the 1972 Miami Dolphins, the 9-11 hijackers. And look, I also want to say, it's really nothing to be offended by, honestly. Like, I, I, you know, the guy shouldn't be fired, as I said. This is not, this is the kind of thing. Obviously, 9-11, of course, is not funny. It's a terrible tragedy. This kind of thing is, like, yes, it's, it's funny because it's so, it's so absurd. And when someone just says something incredibly stupid, we should be able to, as a society, say, yeah, that was really dumb. And just kind of laugh it off, especially if they acknowledge, you know, people should be allowed to do that, even if it's something pretty. This is this, this kind of mistake that probably most people wouldn't make, but still. Um, it should be possible for us as a society to say, well, you said that that was dumb. Why the hell did you say that, you dummy? And then the person can respond, you know, what? you're right. That was stupid. I shouldn't have said it. And then we just move on. That's it. That's all you have to do, especially with fo with football players and football coaches. Because the other thing you have to remember is that, you know, these people are pretty stupid. They are. And I say that as a football fan, and I don't mean any disrespect to them. They're very smart at what they do. A football coach is smart at strategizing football games. And as far as that goes, they're brilliant. I mean, an NFL head coach, you know, his way of drawing up plays and all that. I mean, it's none of us could could do that. But They've spent their whole lives thinking only about that. I mean, the only thing that they've thought about their entire lives, really, is just football. And so outside of that, they, they don't know anything. Which is fine. They're specialists. This is what they specialize in. But they know nothing outside of that, which is also why it's very silly when we listen to any of these people, you know, when they preach about politics or social issues. Because uh, when, when, when they... When they they're thinking only about a sport, and then they glance over for five seconds at some other issue and give their thought on it. it it's it doesn't it's 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 not gonna be a well thought out idea. We know that. 
All right, let's get to the comment section. If you're a man, it's required that you grow a beard. Hey, we're the sweet baby gang. You know, since Roe v. Wade was overturned, the left has lost their minds making abortion their official sacrament. But the grassroots pro-life efforts, which are now more important than ever, are booming. Despite the narrative, pro-lifers have not gone away. In fact, they've increased in number. One of the efforts I support is uh, 40 Days for Life because they're changing hearts and minds in blue pro-abortion states. With 1 million volunteers in 1,600 cities, 40 Days for Life holds peaceful vigils outside abortion facilities. 40 Days for Life has opened a record number of locations since Roe was overturned, and they've grown in volunteers. This success has come, unfortunately, with new unwanted attention from the DOJ. 40 Days for Life recently made national headlines because they're suing the DOJ on behalf of their volunteer, Mark Houck, who has, uh, was raided by the FBI. We've talked about him on the show. They're going on offense against our compromised FBI and DOJ. You can help them fight their ongoing legal battles and pursue free speech for their volunteers, including Mark Houck, by giving a tax-deductible gift of any amount at 40daysforlife.com. That's 40daysforlife.com. Okay, uh, first, last comment on the, uh, the dinks, but I had one other, uh, just one other comment I thought was worth reading for that. Uh, this is from Tolis. says, Matt, some of your videos are pretty good, and some others make you sound like a Karen. This is definitely one of those. You took some weird TikTok videos and made them a standard approach for all the childless parents. Some couples wouldn't be good parents, and that knowledge prevents them from having kids. Others struggle financially. Also, I know many parents that died alone or thrown into a nursing home. Let me also say that um, having kids so you can be remembered is equally vain as some of the vain benefits mentioned by the TikTokers. I just wanted to make, because I've already addressed most of this, but that last point of yours, that uh, the, the desire to be remembered and to leave a legacy is vain. Um, I, I very much disagree. And, uh, you know, it, it's actually the opposite of, we think, it's, it's really the opposite of vanity in a lot of ways, because vanity is superficial, fleeting, you know, it's, it's that shallow, you know, that's a vain person. And, uh, and that's what we mean when we talk about vanity. But the desire to leave a legacy, it, that's a basic human impulse, okay? That, that is one of the things that has driven people to the greatest heights that a human can achieve. Most of the greatest things that have ever been done in history have been done, at least in large part, um, in the name of legacy, in the name of being remembered. So no, that's not vanity. Vanity is living your whole life structured around being able to buy s- snacks at Costco. That's vanity in every respect. It's self-centered, it's shallow, it's superficial, it's, just, it's, it's nothing, okay? It's a life of nothingness. But you, you live a life and you make choices because uh, you want to be remembered and you want to leave a legacy behind, well, that, that, you know, that is going to drive you to do big and important and, and, and consequential things, one of which you know, is being a parent. Um, and it's also not vain because you know, vanity and selfishness, I mean, th- these are things that it's, it's self-serving in the moment. Like you're doing something because you want to benefit from it right now. I don't want to have kids because I want to take a nap. I want to be able to nap. I want to be able to buy stuff for me for myself right now. I want to buy snacks. Like what, I want to go on vacations. The desire to be remembered, though, you're not even going to, I mean, by definition, you're not around. This is in death. So you're, you're thinking forward to a time when you're not even going to be here on earth physically to reap the benefits of it. And so you're taking a more timeless sort of eternal perspective. And that's exactly how we should all live. That's exactly how what we should prioritize. Um, Don says, when this war started, I really believed that a Russian victory would lead to a horrible, brutal march across Western Europe and then a world war. It's become so obvious in the years since that this is simply not true. Um, and, and this is why, you know, you, common sense common sense can't take you everywhere in life. It can't solve every problem for you. And there are there's plenty of situations where you need to have a deeper knowledge of something to really be able to get to the right answer. But common sense can get you a large part of the way there. And so 
I've admitted all along on any foreign policy issue. You know, I, I'm, I am happy and quick to say that I'm not an expert in this area. I don't pay a lot of attention to foreign policy stuff. I don't care that much about it. Um, I can't, you know, you can't care about everything and you can't pay attention to everything. And you can't be, um, have great insights on every topic in the world. And so, you know, we all have areas that we kind of focus on and areas that we don't focus on. And for me, it's foreign policy. That said, I do like to think I have a pretty good finely tuned uh, common sense, a finely tuned BS detector and some basic common sense. And so even if I'm not uh, any sort of expert in the long running disputes between Ukraine and Russia, when I heard early on this concern that Russia would take over Ukraine and then keep marching and eventually uh, conquer all of Europe, it's like, I don't think I need to be a foreign policy expert to say, no, I don't think it's going to happen. I, I, I just don't, that doesn't sound, that doesn't sound right at all. It does not sound like something we really need to worry about. That, that sounds absurd to me. I'm, I'm just not worried about that happening. Okay, I'm not worried about Russia, they conquer all of Europe and the next thing you know, they're on, uh, uh, you know, they're, 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 they're moving up the Chesapeake Bay. I mean, I'm not, I'm just not worried about that happening. I don't think it's going to happen. And uh, it's, it sounds like a kind of ludicrous worst case scenario. Uh, and I think that that has been borne out by the facts. Uh, Brian says, so according to Chris Christie's principles, if fentanyl was legalized tomorrow, he would trust parents to decide whether or not to dose their own children. The man is not thinking clearly. That's yeah, one example that proves why Chris Christie's idea that we should trust parents and just say whatever if parents want. It's a decision for parents to make. I mean, they're, they're, that's one example that proves why that's a an absurd idea, and it, it's a it's a he he states it as a universal principle. But if you try to universally apply it, you run into absurdities like this. It's one example. I mean, there's there are millions of examples. So he's saying trust parents. Parents can make choices. I mean, there's like literally millions of examples you can come up with to say, well, you wouldn't trust parents to do that, would you? What about this? What about that? What about this? Do you think parents should be allowed to do that? No, it's like there, there, are, there are so many things that we all agree parents should not be allowed to do, even if we believe in parental rights. So with, with any right, okay, there's, it's always, there's always a but. At, there is. It's always, a, yeah, we, we believe in that right, but because all rights are conditional. No, none of them are absolute. You can lose them. And, uh, and can you lose your parental rights? Of course you can. I don't know anyone, even the biggest ad advocates of parental rights, and I am one of the biggest, but I've never heard anyone that actually thinks that you shouldn't be allowed to use, lose your parental rights for any reason. Like, of course you can. Um, and unfortunately, there are thousands of parents every year in this country who do things that, uh, where they lose their parental rights or should. And one of the ways that you should lose them is by physically abusing your child. And uh, there's no gray area here. Mutilating and, and sterilizing your child is obviously physical abuse. Finally, Nina says, obviously Matt should be person of the year. Who else has competed on Dancing with the Stars, been an absolute icon in a movie, and released shocking details on aliens all in a year? The Times Matt phobia is showing with this one. Um, I, and I appreciate that. And I think that you're... Uh, I think you're right. Uh, you know, as I said yesterday, T Taylor Swift winning, winning person of the year doesn't upset me. It does make sense. She did have whatever else you want to say about her. She did have an imp impressive year. I think you can make an argument for um, e Elon Musk. I mean, he has the best argument, really. He should have been the person of the year. And then, and then third place would probably be me. Um, so I think you're right for all the reasons that you just pointed out. Although, as you say that, I'm realizing that the actual person, and I'm ashamed that I didn't say this yesterday or think of it, I am deeply ashamed. But you think about what was the biggest story of the year. Maybe not in most people's eyes, but if you if you're smart, you know the biggest story of the year was all was was when aliens were proven time and time again. Congressional hearings on UFOs, historic, never happened before, at least not to the extent that it is now, with this level of openness. And so who the, who should the person of the year have been? Probably the aliens. If it was up to me, that's person of the year should have been, it should have been E.T. 
E.T. is the person, even though he's not really a person. But neither is Barbie, and she was a runner-up, so I think it should still count. Let me tell you something. I have two dogs for some reason, and the magic power of rough greens in my home. Since our dogs are now healthier and happier, I figured I'd offer a Santa a chance to borrow them if he needs some real power on his sleigh this Christmas, and he can bring them back whenever he wants, next year even. Naturopathic Dr. Dennis Black, the founder of Rough Greens, is focused on improving the health of every dog in America. Before I started feeding my dog Rough Greens, I had no idea that dog food is dead food. It contains very little nutritional value. Think about it. Nutrition isn't brown, it's green. Let Rough Greens bring your dog's food back to life. Rough Greens is a supplement that contains all the necessary vitamins, minerals, probiotics, omega oils, digestive enzymes, and antioxidants that your dog needs. You don't have to go out and buy new dog food. Just sprinkle Rough Greens on their food every day. Dog owners everywhere are raving about Rough Greens. It supports healthy joints, improves bad breath, boosts energy levels, and so much more. We are what we eat, and that goes for dogs, too. Naturopathic Dr. Dennis Black is so confident Rough Greens will improve your dog's health. He's offering my listeners a free Jumpstart trial bag so your dog can try it. Get a free Jumpstart trial bag delivered straight to your door in just a few business days. Go to roughgreens.com matt or call 844-ROUGH-700. That's roughgreens.com matt or call 844-ROUGH-700 today. Well, if you haven't heard yet, Lady Ballers is the number one streaming movie in the country, and it's only on Daily Wire Plus. Don't have a Daily Wire Plus membership? Well, let's take care of that right now. Get 30% off new annual Daily Wire Plus memberships this weekend only. Already have a Daily Wire Plus membership? Fantastic. You can get a gift of a 30% off Daily Wire Plus annual membership to uh, for your friends, family members, coworkers, even complete strangers, best of all. Give the gift of the top movie in America and unlimited access to all the incredible content the Daily Wire offers. Last weekend, Lady Ballers broke our previous record for a new release. This weekend, we're set to shatter that record again. Take a look at the trailer for uh, Lady Ballers. Here it is. The people have spoken. Lady Ballers is the number one streaming movie in America. We're heroes. It's a drain-up festival. Bring the kids. We could dominate every woman's sport. My pronouns are I'm strong. Watch the most triggering comedy of the decade. I was just invited to the White House to give a talk on women's rights. You earn that. You own it. Lady Ballers, exclusively on Daily Wire Plus. Well, that's not a bad start for our first ever full-length feature comedy. Lady Ballers has a 92% audience rating with thousands of reviews. It's time to spread the word and watch the biggest movie in America, Lady Ballers, streaming exclusively on Daily Wire Plus. And as a reminder, get 30% off Daily Wire Plus annual memberships this weekend only, the perfect gift for yourself or anyone on your Christmas list. So go to dailywire.com slash subscribe to get your 30% off Daily Wire Plus membership now. Now let's get to our daily cancellation. I began the show yesterday talking about how school districts all over the country are introducing telehealth services for students in kindergarten through 12th grade. And these services include remote therapy visits uh, provided by Silicon Valley startups. So students can go to school counselors and complain about being depressed and confused, and then they'll instantly be connected via iPad to some expert on gender theory. They can even get a prescription for antidepressants and anxiety meds right over the internet. And the point, as we've seen many times, is to delegitimize parents as much as possible they don't want children going to a family doctor with their parents. They want to see, you know, they want to connect the, the kids with Zoom shrinks from the Bay Area during school hours instead. That's the idea. And as ominous as that all is, it turns out that these Zoom shrinks are just the tip of the iceberg. They're merely one component of a much broader effort backed by the federal government to transform the school system into something extraordinarily profane and destructive, even more than it already is. A new investigation just published by the Daily Wire reveals in extensive detail how several school districts are connecting children with chat rooms, and um, those chat rooms talk about everything from sex changes to the occult. And they're not even using the pretense of telehealth or anything like that. They're just throwing this garbage in kids' faces. Now, many of the chat rooms I'm talking about are operated by a website called Q Chat Space, which was created in part with the help of Planned Parenthood, and at Brockton Public Schools in Massachusetts, Administrators advise students to check out QChat in their LGBTQI plus uh, resource guide. The Charlotte Independent School District in Texas and Wisconsin's Madison Metropolitan School District also have told students to check out uh, this service of QChat. So has California's Long Beach Unified School District, Beverly Hills High School as well, uh, the District of Columbia Public Schools, the DeForest Area School District in Wisconsin, 
Joe Biden's CDC has even gotten involved in this. They've included QChat on their list of websites uh, for children to visit. So this is a, a site and a service that has a lot of funding, a lot of support, and that you've got very powerful institutions funneling kids to. So what is QChat? What makes it so overwhelmingly popular among the federal government and some of the biggest school districts in the United States? Well, it's a platform that says that it provides, quote, chat-based discussion groups for LGBTQ plus and questioning teens ages 13 to 19. Now, right away, if you go to the QChat website, you'll find that there is no age verification whatsoever. You just have to say that you're between the ages of 13 and 19. You give them your email. You wait for an administrator to approve your account, and then you're in. Now, each chat that's hosted by QChat is focused on a set topic, and there are uh, some topics in regular rotation, like a mental health chat. There's a chat for self-identifying BIPOC students who are struggling with systemic racism, racism, et cetera. But there are also some other selections from the past year or so that I think raise some interesting questions. For example, one chat topic is self-discovery in astrology. Another, another is entitled, how do your big three astrological signs affect your daily life? Now, these are topics that uh, might seem a little bit odd. Uh, why would this chat service, which normally talks about pretty standard topics like mental health, also promote astrology? And whatever, for whatever reason, QSpace doesn't stop there. According to a report from Just the News, another chat topic on QSpace, which is specifically for youth of color, concerns the topic of familiars, which QChat helpfully describes as small household pets that serve as a witch's companion. Now, if you browse QChat's Facebook page, you'll find that they're very interested in hosting chats about these uh, familiars. In one post, for example, QChat writes, familiars are creatures that guide and support us. Where have we seen familiars in literature, media, and games? We'll be using the Wild Unknown Animal Spirit deck to see what animal spirits we might lean into. Now, the creator of that particular deck of tarot cards describes herself as having a, quote, seeker's heart, which has, quote, brought her to study in-depth practices of yoga and shamanism. The idea is to connect spiritually with, with animals. And this is all happening in this Q-chat space. Now, again, um, this all seems a little odd, which may be a significant understatement. If you go back to the uh, Brockton Public School District of Massachusetts and you look at how they're promoting Q-chat, here's what they say. They claim that Q-chat will, quote, improve the comfort level of school personnel to provide appropriate gender-sensitive interactions. And how does that track exactly? I mean, what could possibly be the connection between occultism and LGBT propaganda? We see it again and again. Just a month ago, an election office in Tacoma, Washington, um, received a package containing a white powdery substance. The package also included a letter with the so-called trans pride progress flag, which is the newest one, along with an occult symbol and a demand for anarchy and the end of elections. And earlier this year, an employee at Kirkland Elementary School in Oklahoma City was arrested for uh, child sex crimes. And as Andy No reported, quote, he identifies as pansexual and has symbols of the occult and LGBTQ on his social media. A few months earlier, Drew Hernandez photographed a child with a sign around his neck featuring gay pride colors and an occult symbol. So you see this combination is popping up more and more. And as it turns out, these are therefore not uncommon examples. We're not cherry picking just one or two LGBT activists who happen to be into the occult. This goes uh, deeper than that. Aleister Crowley, maybe the most iconic occultist of the modern world and a very disturbed individual, was famously bisexual. Then there's Alan Moore, the occultist whose uh, influences included Crowley. Moore recently donated, pledged to donate all of his royalties to BLM. And when Moore wrote a Lovecraftian comic series called Providence, he made the protagonist gay. You can also see uh, gay themes from contemporary occult artists like Grant Morrison, who's a well-known comic book writer who identifies as genderqueer talks about these topics frequently. There's William Burroughs. He was one of the most influential American literary figures of the 20th century. His work helped inspire the tradition of quote-unquote chaos magic. William Bur Burroughs was also a drug addict and a pervert, by the way. Uh, the common denominator in these cases is that occultists are looking to make themselves divine. And they want to do that by accessing some deeply concealed powers, supposedly. People calling themselves LGBTQ, not coincidentally, often see queerness as personal sexual empowerment that results from blurring categories or transgressing 
what they see as illegitimate moral limitations. They think that they're breaking norms and discovering some latent identity. So an interest in gender bending in that sense is a natural fit with occultism, and that's why you see these things connected. And again, not just connected by me, but by the people themselves. For a long time, the officials pushing the LGBT cult, especially school districts and federal agencies like the CDC, they certainly would never acknowledge this connection. They say that there's nothing godless or occult about promoting transgenderism and homosexuality to children in schools. But they pretty much stopped with that whole pretense at this point. And that's the main reason that this Daily Wire investigation from the other day is so significant. Now we know that the federal government and many school districts are willing to openly endorse a self-described LGBTQ chat that promotes the occult over and over again. And just to reiterate, they're, they're hosting these occult-themed chats for children as young as 13 years old, and potentially even younger, because again, they, they're, they're not weeding out kids based on age. Now, of course, occult uh, or QChat is not uh, the only perverse service that children are being told to use in schools. There are many more examples. Here's one of them. The Daily Wire's investigation also found that the District of Columbia Public Schools and dozens of other school districts direct students to the Trevor Project's Trevor Space chat room, which we've discussed a few times on this show. Trevor Space allows adults to connect directly with children, and in turn, some of these adults have discussed graphic sexual topics with children. They've also suggested ways that they can hide their gender identity from their parents. Like I said, we've talked about the Trevor chats many times. What's important to understand is that none of this is about equality or improving the mental health of children. It's the opposite, of course. The reason they're connecting children to therapists via iPad is the same reason they're telling children to visit chat rooms promoting the occult and sexual deviancy. The most powerful institutions in this country, from the federal government to school boards, understand the link between cultism and the degeneracy that they're pushing. All that's changed is that, at least if you know where to look, you'll find that they're finally admitting what they're doing. Which is why, though it barely needs to be said, obviously QChat and every school pushing it is today canceled. That'll do it for the show today and this week. Talk to you next week. Have a great day. Godspeed.